0: Hey, this is Kyle Eidelman from Southeast Christian Church, and I'm gonna thank you for listening to the message today. As we open up the scriptures together, I pray that this message inspires you, challenges you, and is the right word at just the right time in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, church family. As we wrap up our Keep Watch series, I I wanna say thank you. Uh, I'm grateful for the humble spirit of our church as we've walked through some content that can be challenging. Not everybody agrees on the answer to every question, but it's so important that we think about the return of Jesus and what that's gonna look like, and we prepare ourselves for it. This week, we get to hear again from Pastor Mark Moore as he wraps up the series. I can't think of a better way to finish the series than by addressing the question, who's the real enemy? My prayer is that we would leave this series knowing confidently who the real enemy is, and also where our victory is found so we can live our lives on mission and with the right kind of urgency. Uh, Once again, I would just ask you to lean in, lean into today's message, invite God to challenge you, convict you, inspire you to live in such a way that you are ready. Would you please welcome Pastor Mark Moore. Thank you. Uh, If you have ever
1: said something that inadvertently hurts someone else, you know exactly how I'm feeling right now. Two weeks ago, I opened the message with a story just to add some levity, but I failed to express the love and respect that I have for those who have spent time behind bars. And I wanna apologize for that, especially because in these last days, those who have lived through hell Maybe our best hope as a church to help people get to heaven. Your story matters. I learned that actually from my uncle, who <laughs> he was not a good man. Now, much of his life he spent running drugs and barroom brawling and being abusive to his wife and kids. But when he hit bottom in that pit, he didn't find Jesus. Jesus found him. And his life was changed. And all our family took notice. And most of my family, they're not just un-Christian, they're anti-Christian. And so all my life, they've heard my messages, they've made very little difference in their faith. But this one story of one man whose life was changed rocked their world. And those that had spoken against the bride of Christ stood silent in front of a life that had been transformed. So I wanna to say to all of you who have spent time behind bars, or maybe right now you're in one of our 12 or 17 partner facilities for rehabilitation, I want you to hear me say clearly, we love you. More than that, we, we respect you. But most of all, we need you. We need your story to help us show the difference that Christ can make in people's lives who are far from God. We need you. And I want you to know there is no life, no matter if you're watching online or watching on one of our campuses, there is no life that is unredeemable when your transformation is undeniable. And that's what I wanna talk about. So if you have a Bible, we're gonna take a whirlwind tour of the last days. Revelation chapter 12, through the end. And we're gonna zero in on those enemies that we have. And it's a triple threat of the devil. A dragon, a beast, and the harlot. Kind of an unholy trinity that's attacking the church. And everything I wanna say could be summarized in one sentence. Here it is. All of our enemies will not be destroyed. They are now being destroyed. Their destruction, their demise, their end is already in process. And so we begin with the dragon. It's kind of a horrific scene in chapter 12. It opens with this heavenly vision of a woman, and she's robed in the sun. Her feet are on the moon, and she is very pregnant. I mean, about to pop pregnant. And the dragon comes up with his mouth agape and he is ready to devour the newborn child, which we'll learn is the Messiah, the Christ child. Horrific scene. Here's the description of the dragon. Then I saw another sign appear in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on its head. In other words, he's a mutant like got a little too close to Chernobyl, this guy's weird, like all these heads and horns, and what in the world is all that about? Well, in Revelation, when you run into a number, you don't just count it, you have to weigh it. Seven is a number that goes clear back to the very first chapter of the Bible. Remember, God created the world in seven days. Why seven? Well, it seems that three is a number for God. Holy, holy, holy. And four often represents humanity, four compass points of the wind, 40 days, 40 nights. So when you have three and four added together, you often in the Bible have God doing something among humanity. And then 10, of course, is the the complete number, so seven and 10 is a complete dealing of God with humanity. Now, you might say, well, this isn't God, this is the devil, exactly. He's trying to act like God. He's trying to get your complete devotion to him, only he is not creating humanity, he is destroying humanity through the sevens and tens. So who is this dragon anyway? Well, I don't have to guess. I know, this is one of the very few things in Revelation that I absolutely know for sure. And I only know it because it was revealed (laughs) in verse nine. The great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, there, there it is, who leads the whole world astray. He has been hurled to the earth and his angels with him and all God's people said, no, not amen. <laughs> He's hurled to the earth, that's where we live. Not amen, but look out. And you see him all around wreaking havoc in your schools. In your. Work and your places of business in your own family. Satan is as a dragon among us. Now, now, the good news is he has been hurled down. It doesn't mean he has no power or doesn't have a leash on him, but he's got some sway and he's using it to destroy you. But here's the good news. And it's good news from heaven with a loud voice. Now have come the salvation and power and kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Well, if he has been hurled down, then why is he still wreaking havoc? Because his power, his primary power is not just temptation, but accusation. You've read it three times already. He accuses the brothers day and night before God. Here's the beauty of what happened to Satan is that through the blood of Jesus Christ, his accusation has been stripped from him. Verse 11, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So when Jesus died for your sins, the accusations of the devil became Powerless. Now, don't misread that. They're still true. When the devil says about me or about you, but God, look at their lives. But I mean, don't you see the lust in their hearts? Don't you see the pride of their eyes? Don't you see the lies, the deception, the mistreatment, the selfishness, the laziness? All true, but no longer powerful. Because everything he accuses you of, Jesus says, yeah, I paid for that. Next. Yeah, I paid for that too. I paid for all of it. So when the devil accuses you, and this is what so burdens me about our churches, is we have Christians across the country who are hearing the accusations of the devil as if they're more powerful than the blood of Christ. Listen, family, there is nothing that you have done that is more powerful than what Jesus has done for you. Do you believe that? If you believe that, then stop listening to the accusations. Just because they're true does not mean that they're helpful or powerful or reliable as a guide for your life. Because of the blood of Jesus, we fear no accusation of the devil. He is powerless except for the power that we give him, which leads me to say, there is no life, not on any campus, not watching online, there is no life that is unredeemable when your transformation is undeniable. And when people see how Jesus has changed your life, they cannot deny the power of God that is in you and on you. And so for the devil, that is strike one, strike two. He doesn't just work alone, he partners with a beast. Technically, there's two beasts. One from the land, one from the sea. The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. Now, now seas in the ancient world uh, divided nations. So this is this beast coming out from among all the nations. It had 10 horns, seven heads, with 10 crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. Well, how about that? This cat looks just like the devil. Same number of heads, same number of horns, slightly different crowns, but it doesn't matter, seven and ten, seven and 10. This is an entity that is imitating the dragon. Who is it? Verse seven, it was given power to wage war against God's holy people to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. So it looks to me like this one nation, this one beast coming out of the sea is over all the other nations as what we call a one world government. Ooh, what is that? Well, hang on a second. We gotta get the second beast. Then I saw a second beast coming out from the earth. It had, this will make you mad, two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like the dragon. The first beast, this one world government, is driven by the agenda of the devil. It looks for all the world like the devil. But the second beast, he is trying to imitate, not the dragon, but the lamb of God. We saw him in chapter five, has two horns. And so there's an entity that is empowering the first beast, and I think it's false religion. So here's the question. Where have you ever seen a a government that's acting like the devil or or carrying out the agenda of the devil that is empowered by a false religion. Maybe the better question is, where have you not seen that? Like I can think of a dozen right now. In fact, I heard of this one government, it's unbelievable. They, They took the Bible out of schools because it was too graphic for children. But then they gave free contraceptives to those children and graphically explained how to use them. How is that not beastly? In that same government, there are more babies die from abortion in every year than all of the soldiers of all of the wars for 200 years. At what point do we admit that's too much? At what point do we say this is a culture of death? At what point do we admit that we have this agenda around us? Listen, this this book is not describing merely what will be. It's showing you what always is. Pagan governments that are aligning with false religions all over the world, throughout all time. Pagan government, false religion, aligning you to put your faith in a government rather than in God. And that's exactly what he says in verse 15. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. We just had an election this last week. Uh, some of you are really uh, delighted because you got the results that you wanted. I just want to warn you. If you put your faith in a government over your God, you will be decimated. And, and some of you on all our campuses, are some of you that are grieving because of the election results. I just need to warn you. When you begin to put your faith in a government over God, you will eventually be decimated. Now, look, don't get me wrong. I I love the country that I was born in. I am grateful to God for where I was born and when I was born. But make no mistake, I will never put my hope, my faith, my trust in a government over my God. Let me give you a practical tool, okay? Because we we do need to support the government, and by all means, go vote your conscience. By all means, participate in the society that you're in. How do you know when you have crossed a line and put more trust in a government than in your God? Here's a litmus test. It is simple, and it might convict you. If you are criticizing, fighting with, or dividing from a brother or sister in Christ over an election result, you may be putting too much trust in the government over your God. Because if you do that, I promise you what he says next will happen to you. Verse 16, it also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands and on their foreheads the mark of the beast, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. (laughs) No kidding, Sherlock. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is six. 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 Freaky, right? Now, I can tell you exactly what the 666 is, what the mark of the beast is. It's on your right hand, right? It's on your forehead, right? You can't buy or sell without it. (laughs) No, I don't know. People guess all kinds of stuff about what the mark of the beast is. Nobody really knows. So I'm not gonna talk about what I don't know. Let me talk about what I do know for sure. The mark of the beast is the second mark in Revelation. The first mark in Revelation is back in chapter seven, verse 14, when 144,000 were marked by God. And we're actually reminded of this mark in the very next verse. You got the mark of the beast, the very next verse is the mark of God. Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name, and his father's name written on their forehead. It is the mark of God. Now, 144,000, I don't personally take that literally. Why? Well, because there's way more than 144,000 Christians who have been marked by the Holy Spirit, have the name of Jesus, have the name of God. So I take it as a number that instead of counting, you weigh it. Okay, so how do you weigh 144,000? Well, go back to elementary school in your minds. Remember doing your times tables? Remember that? Hated those. When did, what is 144,000 on the times table? It is 12 times 12. Okay, so does the number 12 have any significance in the Bible? Oh yeah. Like 12 tribes, 12 apostles, 12 is God's chosen people. And how do you get 12? Well, you take the number of God, three, the number of humanity, four, and instead of adding it, this is not all of humanity, this is God's chosen, you multiply it, three times four is 12. And what God is saying is, I, I got you. I put my name on you, you are sealed, you are protected. Yeah, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to encounter a dragon, a beast, and a harlot, for sure, you live in the world. You're gonna encounter things that happen in the world and the dragon has been thrown down from heaven to this world. You're gonna face the dragon. But my friend, don't misunderstand. You are marked by God. And there's a lot of suffering that people in the world go through without the mark of God. You wanna talk about hell on earth? Try to live in this world without the Holy Spirit, without the mark of God in his name on you. That's hell. But there's a lot of Christians, and I get it, you're going through it right now. Whatever the tribulation that is coming, you're, you're in a tribulation now. now some of you are, have even asked God this week, God, have you forgotten me? And he's saying, my child, I got you. You're not just part of the 12, you are 12 times 12. I've not forgotten any of my children. And yet, we, we have to face a dragon, a beast, and a harlot, and so people, we keep doubting. Now, if, if you don't have a word processor, and John, when he wrote this, did not have a word processor. So, had he had a word processor, he would have made this bold italics, like, underlined. But because they didn't, he used numbers to make a point. And how do you make a point? You get symbolic numbers, so you add them together. So, we've got 12 times 12. I've not lost any of you. And yet, someone says, yeah, but... I mean, I've got this addiction, or more accurately, this addiction has got me. God, I think you forgot me. God says, no, my child, 12 times 12 times 10. I've not forgotten you. Yeah, but do you know what's going on with my family? I don't even know where my child is. And God said, I got you. 12 times 12 times 10 times 10. Yeah, but God, this diagnosis that I've got, I'm gonna live with this and maybe probably die with this. And God's going, no, I got you, child. 12 times 12 times 10 times 10 times 10. There is not a single child of God that he's forgotten about in this world. Come on, he knows what you're going through. And if you can be reminded that you are God's child, then you can face any dragon, any beast, and any harlot. Because remember, they're not going to be destroyed. They are already now in the process of being destroyed. We know how the devil is destroyed. He's thrown down by the blood of Christ. These beasts, God is orchestrating it right now. Chapter 16, verse 16. Then they gathered the kings together in the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Armageddon sounds more mysterious than it actually is. Uh, It's two Hebrew words, har, which is mountain, Megiddo, which is an actual city. Well, not anymore, it's an archeological site, but you can go to it, and it sits on top of this tell, and if you stand on top of of Megiddo, or if you go to the mountains above Megiddo and you, you look across the valley, you will see the most fertile valley in all of the Middle East. It is the passageway from north to south and east to west, which is why Megiddo, the city, was placed at the choke point of where all the peoples would pass. This is where dozens of times armies gathered together to fight in the Middle East. In fact, if you go there today, you'll notice planes taking off. You won't see the airport because the the military airport base is actually underground and they fly from underground out to the sky to protect the nation. Right now, today, God is preparing for what we call the Battle of Armageddon. Huddle up, I I wouldn't say this in public, but I'll I'll just tell you. There is no Battle of Armageddon. Like, Google it in the Bible, you won't find it. There is a gathering of Armageddon. There's a slaughter of Armageddon. But there is no battle of Armageddon. There is no shot fired. There is no bow bent. There is no sword drawn. Listen to the next verse. The seventh angel poured out his bowls into the air and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, it is done. God created this world with a word and he will bring it to an end. With a simple command, it is done. This scene is actually replicated in further detail, chapter 19. It's a beautiful picture. We see this rider on a white horse. It's Jesus returning. When he came the first time, he had eyes of compassion. When he comes again, there will be eyes of fire. He came the first time and wore a crown of thorns. When he returns, it will be crowns upon crowns. He came in a simple Palestinian tunic. When he comes again, it will be a robe dipped in blood. His name, when he came, was son of man. But when he returns, his name will be tattooed to his thigh, king of kings and lord of lords. And he has a sword, not in his hand, but coming straight out his mouth, because it is with his word that he brings an end to this world. I'll read the ending of it. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider of the horse and his army. Okay, so they're ready for the battle of Armageddon. But there's no battle, there's just a but. But the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on its behalf. When Jesus speaks the word, he will pull the plug on time and will lead us into eternity. Which which leads me to say, because of the power of the word of God, there is not a person on any of our campuses or watching online, or you're watching on demand on a treadmill or wherever you are, your life is not unredeemable if your transformation is undeniable maybe today is your day to give your life to Jesus. Our baptistries are ready on every campus. If you wanna give him your life, he will give you his name and seal you for eternity. Strike two for the dragon. I know how the dragon is destroyed. I know how the beasts are destroyed. What comes next is a harlot. I don't wanna talk a lot about her because she's just nasty. I don't mean she's ugly. She's just a beautiful woman. And the kings of the earth go gaga over this woman. I mean, they just fawn all over her. And she rides atop of the beasts. Like she seems to be in control of the beasts. She rides the wave of the evil powers of the devil. And she seduces the kings of the earth. And and I don't know what it'll look like in the last of the last days, but in these last days, I know what it looks like. Because this is what you're worried about for your children on social media. This is the concern you have about your teens of pornography in their pocket. This is the frustration you have in watching the news when in a world of, of violence, of materialism, of individualism, about confusion of identity. Listen, we, we have the harlot all around us already. She is corrupt culture, riding atop of a government driven by Satan's agenda, supported by false religion, culture rises on top of that and seduces kings of the earth to fall under the spell of her power. How will we get rid of the harlot? How are you gonna conquer her? Surprised? God does not conquer the harlot. He doesn't need to. You don't conquer the harlot. You don't need to. This is exceptional. Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. And then it describes her relationship with the beast. But then it says, verse 16, the beast and the 10 horns you saw will hate the prostitute. Wait a second, I, I thought they were partners. Oh, they are. But they don't love each other, they hate each other. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. NC-17, I know, but what you should know is the world and its entities, they are not aligned against the church. They hate each other as much as they hate the church of Jesus Christ. Don't you see it? you got Washington that uses Wall Street but hates Wall Street, and Wall Street that uses Hollywood but hates Hollywood, and Hollywood that uses the educational universities that hates the universities the, the elements of this world that are seducing us are actually at odds with one another and you think it's hell on earth for a Christian you should try being a non-Christian in this earth that doesn't have the power of God or the protection of God and the name of God on them we are the most fortunate people in the world in an unfortunate dark place and the darker this world gets the light of the church shines brighter. That's why this church is so important to this community. Who else is gonna bring help and hope? Who else is gonna love one, one at a time? Who else is gonna include you into a family of diversity beyond tribalism or political lines? Where else are you gonna find that but here? That's why, that's why it is so critical for the church not to fall in line with the harlot. Because if you get in bed with a harlot, you will die with her. This, this is the warning of chapter 18, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins. And if you come out of her, here's the promise of God, there is no life that is unredeemable when your transformation is undeniable. And so, we celebrate. And I thought it would be appropriate to conclude this series with a reading of scripture that is exactly what the church is going to sing and celebrate when Jesus returns. So the passage we're gonna read is in chapter 19. Interestingly, it's the only four uses of the word hallelujah in all of the New Testament. Hallelujah, the Hebrew word, it means praise Yahweh. So I wanna invite you to praise Yahweh by standing to your feet, whatever campus you're on, or even if you're watching online, go ahead and in honor of God's word, stand and let's read this together as a celebration and a declaration that my life can be redeemed and my life can be transformed. Let's read together. Hallelujah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop. Now this is hallelujah. This is like, we're heading to heaven here. Let's talk like we're going to heaven. Count to three, three, two, one. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. And again, they shouted, hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne. And they cried, amen. Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder shouting, hallelujah, for our Lord God almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad, and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Have you, bride? Are you ready? Are you keeping watch? Because if you keep your eyes to the skies, when you hear that trumpet sound, you will see him coming on a white horse with his armies behind him. You will rise to meet him, resurrected into a new body, taken to a new heaven and a new earth. And you will go to the new earth, specifically to the new Jerusalem, a city 1,400 miles square. The streets are lined with gold. The gates are one jewel each. And we enter this city with our King of kings and Lord of lords. And in this city, there are no lights because he is the light. There is no death because he is the life. There are no graves. There are no tears. There are no Kleenexes. There are no hospitals. There are no police. There are no lawyers, praise God. (laughs) Nor are there preachers, praise God. But there's him. There's no FBI, no CIA, no DPS, no IRS. The only initials of our governmental agency is Alpha and Omega and we will be with him forever. So keep watch these last days are a blink of an eye and whatever you suffer from a dragon a beast or a harlot it's a moment in eternity that will expand in his presence forever so keep watch because your life is redeemable when your story is undeniable Holy Father we we say hallelujah we sing together and we we praise together because we know that regardless of how dark the days are, the destruction of the unholy trinity has already begun. And the time is ticking quickly to the end. The hourglass is thinning. And we, your bride, are ready. So come Lord Jesus. We, we pray for the good of the nations. Come Lord Jesus. We pray for the For the widow and orphan come lord jesus we pray for those behind bars come lord jesus we pray for the single dad the single mom come lord jesus we pray for your people come lord jesus and in the name of jesus we say amen
0: thanks for listening if today's message made you realize you need to take your next step with jesus we would love to help you with that You can connect with us on any of our social media platforms throughout the week or visit our website at southeastchristian.org. And if you want to hear more content like this, you can check out our sermons podcast or our one-at-a-time podcast. Both can be found everywhere. Podcasts are available. Have a great week.